America has entered a partnership with Australia, Denmark, Norway, Canada, France, the Netherlands, and the United Kingdom to attempt to frustrate the flow of sensitive technologies to authoritarian governments. The partnership is known as the Export Controls and Human Rights Initiative. As indicated by journalist Anna Swanson, it calls for nations to align their policies on exports of key technologies. In particular, it asks participating countries to develop written codes of conduct to apply human rights criteria to export licenses. The effort is targeted toward combating the rise of digital authoritarianism in nations like China and Russia, where software and surveillance technologies have been used to monitor dissidents and journalists, influence public opinion, and censor information deemed dangerous by the government. By working to synchronize export controls across nations, American officials hope to prevent authoritarian nations from accessing important technologies. Among other things, the U.S. is set to invest up to $20 million annually to dramatically expand the digital democracy work of the Agency for International Development. America will also introduce an initiative with Denmark and Canada to lay out how governments should use surveillance technology consistent with human rights. For WYPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. Typically, on the first Friday of any given month, the government releases its employment report. These are arguably the most anticipated data releases, with investors moving around trillions of dollars in response to how much employment America managed to add during the prior month. But as indicated by the Wall Street Journal, it has become unclear whether or not markets should rely so intensely on employment data. To generate estimates of job creation, the Bureau of Labor Statistics surveys approximately 145,000 employers in the middle of each month, producing an initial estimate of the headline payroll growth number. The agency subsequently supplies two revisions to that estimate. According to the agency, the unusually large revisions that have transpired in recent months reflect sharp declines in survey responses during the pandemic. In February 2020, the response rate stood at nearly 60%. By August of 2021, fewer than half of those surveyed actually responded. When businesses fail to respond, economists at the Bureau of Labor Statistics have to guess the size of their payrolls. That renders the data less reliable and also makes it more difficult to predict monthly employment changes. Economic predictions have missed the mark massively this year. For WYPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. As of November, The size of America's labor force was about 2.5 million people smaller than it was in late 2019 before the pandemic undid the economy. As indicated by writers Alison Moreau and Anakin Tappy, people have left the workforce for myriad reasons over the past two years, including layoffs, health insecurity, and unmet childcare needs. But perhaps the most significant factor has been early retirement. Recent data indicate that of those Americans who left the labor force during the pandemic and say that they don't want a job even if one was offered to them, older Americans, those ages 55 and up, account for an overwhelming 90%. That means that employers are having to increasingly rely upon younger workers to fill job openings, but the data also indicate that young people are not especially loyal to their employers. Americans have been quitting their jobs in record numbers, with more than 4 million people quitting each month since July. Much of this movement is among young people, who are not leaving the labor force in large numbers, but who are leaving jobs for better pay, more flexibility, and perhaps more responsibility. Many employers have been
have been raising compensation in response, but there are still more than 11 million available unfilled jobs in America. For WYPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. As we move to the end of another year, it's time to reflect upon the big news items of 2021. Undoubtedly, COVID-19 stands out as a major event for a second consecutive year. But one could make the argument that what many will talk about when they think back to 2021 is inflation. This year, inflation hit its highest level since 1982. Between November of last year and November of this, consumer prices expanded nearly 7%, while costs facing businesses rose nearly 10%. While inflation represents the rate at which prices are increasing across the economy, it can also be considered the loss of your purchasing power over time. As indicated by writer Genus Mialik, your dollar will not go as far tomorrow as it did today. The Federal Reserve, America's central bank, and the institution charged with preventing prices from rising too rapidly targets inflation at 2% annually as measured by the Personal Consumption Expenditures Index, which is a bit different from the more commonly discussed Consumer Price Index. Many economists believe that the burst in prices will fade at some point next year. The prediction is that global supply chains will become more orderly, shortages of goods will become less commonplace, and that eventually normalcy will reign once again. For WIPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. The weekend begins tomorrow, but the big news, of course, is that tomorrow is Christmas. For many of us, that means a day off, and it couldn't come too soon. As indicated by the Wall Street Journal, there is plenty of evidence that many American workers are simply burned out. During the first 10 months of 2021, America's workers handed in nearly 39 million resignations, the highest number since tracking commenced in 2000. To improve retention, employers are introducing a host of policies, including mandatory company-wide vacation days and blackout hours during which meetings are banned. Executives are also experimenting with four-day work weeks and structures that permit people to establish their own hours. While these policies will help, American fatigue is overwhelming. In September, the Conference Board, a think tank, conducted a survey of 1,800 American workers. More than three-quarters of those surveyed indicated concerns such as stress and burnout as major challenges to well-being in the workplace, up from 55% just six months earlier. Half of those surveyed stated that workload-related pressure was damaging their mental health. Over the past two decades, the length of the average American workday has increased by 1.4 hours. Enjoy your time off if you have it. For WYPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu.